0: You are listening to the New Street X podcast, where we interview people who understand the intersection of physical and digital collectibles. We are entering an exciting world in the collectible space that involves things like sneakers, NFTs, trading cards, fashion, sports, pop culture, and much, much more. And these things are coming together. So we're here to talk to people that understand that, people that are really building the future of collectibles around the world. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm excited to have here today, Brett Nilsen. He's the co-founder and CEO of Cop So Brett's been in the sneaker business since the age of 13. And this led him all the way to co-founding Copit, which is a company that automates the most time consuming parts of reselling, including things like inventory management, financial analytics, integration with e-commerce platforms. They've really got a big vision of what they can build for people in the sneaker business. So excited to have Brett here today. Brett, thanks so much for being on the podcast, welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to think about what the best place to start is. And I'm thinking, considering you've been in the sneaker game for a long time, like, how did you first get into sneakers? Like, what was that moment? I know you were pretty young at the time. Like, how did this all come about in the first place?
1: Yeah, so grew up uh, outside of Philadelphia and was very big into basketball throughout middle school. Biggest thing at the time was, you know, who's wearing the, the nicest shoes on the court. And I had a friend that had these like red suede Air Jordans. I remember they were just super sick. So one day went home, was just Googling around and stumbled upon all the big, you know, publications at the time, Sneaker News, Nice Kicks, Kicks on Fire. That was how I got exposed to this like culture of shoes and this very niche community and through that found the KD4 Galaxies, which I just thought were really really cool. First shoe I'd ever seen that was like I need to have that shoe. So I was researching them all over and was, you know, hoping to go to my parents and be like, "Can this be my basketball shoe for the season?" But The only place I could find them were on eBay for about $1,500. And, you know, I didn't grow up being able to go to my parents and say, hey, drop $1,500 on a pair of shoes for me to beat up in basketball. So I just kept researching. I thought it was a typo. There must be something wrong here. And then every day I would just go back, Google these shoes. Finally found them on some website that, I kid you not, I think the URL was like kd4shoes.com. I was like, wow. geez, I I must have been missing this somehow. And found them for 80 bucks, bought them. They came in about three months later. It's like I'm now midway through basketball season. And you know, they come in, there are Chinese characters all over the packaging. I'm still not thinking anything of it. So I wear them to school the next day. Super excited to show them off. And everyone knew they were fake. And I had no idea Wait, there were how, real how did, shoes. How do for people- fake shoes.
0: Yeah. And so how did everybody know? Like, was it just so obvious? Like, was it just, I don't know, like the coloring was off? Like, and how come, how come like everybody else seems to be really like able to pick up on that?
1: I have no idea. I think I must have mentioned to someone like, yeah, I got them for a steal. They're 80 bucks on this website. And someone knew more about sneakers than I did. And I was like, oh, you bought fakes. And word traveled very quickly to the point where there were like girls in the hallway coming up to me being like, I hear you have fake shoes on. And so I'm mortified. I go home and my dad, you know, used to sell like some car parts on eBay. And I'm like, can you please just put them on eBay? I can't be caught dead wearing these ever again. Put in the description that they're not authentic. And they sold after the seven day auction for about $300. And I figured, holy cow, I just, you know, what quadrupled my money off a fake shoe. If I can make money off a fake shoe, imagine what I can make off real shoes. So, I mean, then there was just a snowball effect from there. I put that money into, I think I dragged my mom to the mall that weekend so we could camp out for a shoe because A, I couldn't drive, but B, it's always been one per customer. So, I figured if she was there with me, we could get two pairs. I could wear one. I could sell one to pay for that one and just kept with that until, you know, incrementally growing my capital and my collection. Then by high school, I figured, you know, I have, 30 pairs of shoes, and I wear maybe one or two of them to school. The others just collect dust, started to get very interested and very passionate about the resale side of things too. just learning how business works and everything that goes into that. So sold off the majority of my collection to invest more into the resale business, started building social media accounts, and then just dove full headfirst into that. Still keep a collection, but it's way more modest than it was in its height. But yeah, it's just been, you know, a, a roller coaster since then and something I don't think I'll ever stop doing just because I love the sneaker community so much and the, you know, art of reselling is just such a fun journey that until it becomes more of a detriment to me than, you know, an advantage, I'm gonna keep doing it for sure.
0: That's that's a really great origin story. It kind of like checks all the boxes of you know, it, it was a dramatic up and down, you know, it's like, oh, it's like he's in love with these shoes. Oh shit. He's getting scammed. Oh, then it works out kind of, but it's like, it's like so many dramatic mm-hmm. ups and downs there. This is, that's great, man. I, I had no idea that that's really where it all came from. And at the time, like, were you interested in, because it sounds like you're playing basketball and obviously you just got interested in the shoes. Was it the sort of Fashion, like, were you, were you were you someone that like was interested in the fashion behind it? Was it more you trying to like emulate like I don't know your favorite players? Was it just you know a way to connect more deeply with the sport? Was it just a mixture of things? I mean, all the cool kids were doing it too. It's like a way to connect with friends. Like, what what of those elements were, were like meant a lot to you at the beginning?
1: Yeah, I think it's been it's really been a combination of everything, everything you just mentioned. So I've always been very big into sports, but also music. So seeing my favorite musicians wearing this type of stuff and trying to emulate them, but also like the art side of things. I mean, it's, it was so cool. I remember the KD four in particular, I mean, you're dropping so much money on a pair of shoes that you hope there's something more to it than just like a good pair of basketball shoes. And there totally was, I mean, on the sole of the shoe, there are etchings into it. I remember there's like big Chucky, it says on the sole, which I believe is Kevin Durant's uncle. There's, mentions Aunt Pearl, who's his aunt that had breast cancer. And like, it's paying homage to all different facets of this player's life, and really telling a full story through all these intricate details. And I really loved that side of things that it was way more than just a pair of shoes. I mean, it's a way for this player to express their whole backstory and convey a full story to the consumer And I've always loved that aspect. I definitely got into the fashion side of things, too. I mean, with Supreme, which you can see with the decks in the background and being able to, like, I guess, stand out a little bit more and express myself through that has always been fun. And the business side of things definitely kicked in, too, because at the time in school, I mean, it was not it, it had come a long way from the origin of sneakers and streetwear from the early 2000s. This was probably 2013, 2014. But it was still not as mainstream as it is today. Where you know I would be wearing a Supreme t-shirt that you know I definitely paid more than what a basic t-shirt should be sold for. And kids in class would be like, "Why the heck are you paying hundred dollars for a t-shirt?" And that's where the business side of things kicked in. Where I'd be like, "Well, you know, this hundred-dollar t-shirt I'm going to wear all year, and at the end of the year, I'm going to sell it for probably hundred and fifty, and then buy two new t-shirts from then on." Whereas you all are paying, you know, putting $100 into three shirts that you're never going to get any value out of after the fact. So that's where the business mindset kind of kicked in that it is investment. It holds its value. It's not just a fully depreciating asset.
0: I'd, I'd love to learn more about so that the state of reselling. So this was like high school, right? So like when you saw the, it sounds like middle middle school and high school, but when you saw the Opportunity from like a business perspective to be a reseller, it sounds like you know it wasn't just shoes, but maybe like supreme Tees, you know whatever that might be w- was there an obvious playbook that you kind of had from someone else? like did you have other people like were teaching you about this stuff or you just kind of like stumble your way into reselling things like and over time just kind of accumulated that knowledge how How did your journey as a reseller like begin and then continue on?
1: Yeah, totally the latter. I absolutely just stumbled into it, learned as I went which I think was the experience a lot of people had at the time, there weren't, you know, very many like influencers or kind of gurus that you have right now that knew the game well enough to share that game with you. It was a lot of just, you know, learning and and evolving from there. So the only the guidance I did get was actually from my dad who, you know, knew about knew more about the stock market than I had as a middle schooler and was starting to you know, make the ties in of, hey, you're investing in a pair of shoes, you're watching it appreciate over time and selling it. And so I started to get more keen of that market and trying to implement strategies that, you know, bigger Wall Street investors make in the stock market, given sneakers is a different story, slightly, I mean, everything is super unique. So it's not something until StockX came around that you could just sell on a dime, you definitely had to build a following and an audience. So I'd say it was more networking and marketing at the time. And investment strategy played a part. But building your brand was the most important thing at that point.
0: And could you you dive deeper into like, let's say, your unique or like the strategy you took as a reseller? Because like, you know, were you Selling online, were you specializing in a particular type of shoe? Were you just doing like a quick flip? I know some people like hold on to things and then you sell it like a, a year or two later. Maybe you're doing a bit of a bit of everything, but like, what was your, I guess like to get one layer deeper, like your your strategy as a, as a reseller? And and also, did you cover every type of shoe? Right? Did you specialize, or do you also you know get the streetwear, Supreme decks, you know all those different things?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely dabble with everything. Anything I could get my hands on that, I mean, had sales data that I could see at the time was mainly eBay that you're tracking items that had sold, how quickly they were selling sales volume. That was something I was paying a lot of attention to knowing that, you know, dead stock items, there is a clearer market for that. So there was a stronger value tied to it. Whereas a used shoe, you could get for a much lower price and flip it for a higher margin, but it would be a slower turnover rate. And you had to find an end consumer at that point, not someone that was probably gonna flip the U shoe again. So yeah, I dabble with everything. I was, you know, every Saturday, every sneaker drop was going for those. Every Thursday was going for every Supreme drop because everything at that point was reselling. I mean, nowadays things are more, you know, more selective, I would say it's probably a 10th of the drops are going to resell. So you have to be more aware of, you know, the hype leading up to it, which makes it more difficult or a little bit more risky. Whereas at the time, I mean, I knew if I can get anything off the Supreme drop, it's going to flip. So, you know, you're being more strategic of knowing a item is going to definitely sell for a 10x multiple, but everyone's going to be going after that. So I'm going to go after like B, C, and D. They're still going to resell for maybe two times what retail is, but less people are going for it. So it's going to be easier to get. So I, I guess I was picking more of the scraps, just being more strategic yeah. on, I need to get something every drop. So I'm going to go for the like second to third tier items mm-hmm. um, that I have a higher chance of getting.
0: Got it. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, this, I guess, leads all the way to founding Copit, of course. But, you know, right before that, to what scale were you a reseller? Like was this something that you classify as like a hobby making you like a side hustle? Were you making so much that you wanted to this to be like your full-time would you would you consider like the equivalent of a full-time job, whether you talk about revenue or like the time spent? And then let's get into the cop and everything as well, of course, but like to what level did you get to and how seriously did you begin to take it?
1: yeah so sorry i didn't uh, fully answer your previous question at the time i was selling on every channel i could so instagram facebook groups were really big for me to build my brand but also just network and reach a wider audience and ebay but you know once StockX and goat got introduced it was a big turning point in my business because you know there was a more centralized market that i could list everything to and you know That also cut into a lot of my time as a reseller because I'm now listing across five marketplaces rather than like two or three. And there have been additional marketplaces constantly getting added to the market. So my time being spent just bringing item to market kept expanding or kept growing. By the time I was a freshman in college, I was doing um, a little over 300,000 a year in sales, which was great money to help pay me, pay my way through college. But it was definitely starting to become more of a full time gig. Not really intentionally, but just with the amount of time I was putting into it. Every second of every day outside of class was going to, you know, buying a shoe, listing it across every marketplace, managing my spreadsheet of inventory, delisting it from all the other marketplaces once it's sold on one. I was just becoming a huge headache and was starting to, you know, slip more and more as I'd go into class, an item would sell on three marketplaces. I'd get out, finally be back on my phone, and now I have to cancel two sales, where all the seller fees involved or cancellation fees involved are. I'm now making nothing from that sale after it's all said and done. Plus, my reputation as a seller is getting damaged, and yeah, so that's definitely where Copy came in, is trying to find a way that I could continue through college, get my degree, but maintain the side hustle as a side hustle, and you know, we wanted to find a way to automate the inventory management so I could be more organized without just using a you know mess of a spreadsheet, connect to those marketplaces much more seamlessly, and then automatically delist those items once it sells on one platform.
0: Got it. So, so I mean, if if I were a reseller right now, I went to the Copit website, like I'd understand, you know, all these different features you mentioned, like inventory management, like listing or delisting across different marketplaces. At the time, did you just kind of, Build this as like software for yourself, or do you have an idea in your head that this could be like a business? And also, maybe we can get into where Copit is today, because you know the story you're telling about how in college you saw this as a way to solve your own problem. How did it go from just being that to now like a fully blown, full, full, full blown business and uh, a thing where you're actually getting clients now and actually growing and all these new things?
1: Yeah, at first it was totally just something for myself. I was still very confident that after college, I was going to go the like investment banking route. Because again, like being brought up in this market, always under the impression that this ties very heavily into that. I always thought that, you know, that feels like the more grown up version of what I'm doing. So that was where my sights were set on. But once we finished our what's now our, our individual platform, I was using it, I showed it to some friends of mine. And got really good feedback. And then we also started to hear about a really strong need on the enterprise side. So I was running into issues managing inventory with 100 items in a spreadsheet. We started to hear from a lot of buy, sell, trading consignment shops that were running into issues managing 10,000 products on a spreadsheet. So a lot of them started reaching out to us saying, you know, we need something like this. Could you build this out for you know, store owners? And that's when we start to realize like there's a much bigger market, uh, much bigger need for this outside of myself. And once I was exposed to different financial tools through like internships, going on that banking route, I was exposed to tools like a Bloomberg terminal and thought of, you know, this market's been so overlooked for so long, which you can tell by the need that these store owners have. They're multi-million dollar businesses still working off of spreadsheets. And if something like a Bloomberg terminal was applied to this market, it would be a complete game changer. And so that's pretty much what we set out to do, you know, pretty naively at the time, neither me or my co-founder have a tech background. So we were like, yeah, that sounds like no problem at all. We'll just, you know, add a few things in and we'll be good to go. But yeah, we've learned that software is way more complex than that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, surround ourselves by much smarter people than us, some, you know, a great team of developers and mentors and advisors that have helped us build this and then also getting a lot of feedback from people in the community. We've had so many store owners, employees at stores working with us, telling us, you know, these are the issues we run into. This is how a really good solution would look. And it's all been thanks to that input from the community that we've been able to build this product for the community. And how it looks now is we have two platforms. One is our individual, so a free inventory management system for individuals, and also an all-in-one consignment portal. So any store that is consignment on the Copit network, an individual can manage all their inventory, apply to consign with all of them, and manage all their consigned items through just one login. So now you're able to list directly in marketplaces or consign directly with stores and not have to be juggling you know 20 different logins or 20 different sheets to see you know what's what's sold today and all that. Then our second tool is our enterprise platform, which is for stores. So any buy sell trade store that's looking to just be more organized or professionalize their operation, they can automate inventory management through there, sync their POS system to their website and to a marketplace in eBay, and just track everything from one suite. For consignment shops, they can do all the same thing uh, that I just mentioned, but then also manage consignment all from the same source. So we've continued on this path of just building an all-in-one resale platform so that you know stores, resellers no longer have to just scrape by building some Frankenstein-like product of 50 different apps just to get by. They can just manage their entire business from one setup.
0: Okay. This makes a lot of sense, and and I'm thinking like right now, where what's the state of like the company? I know you, you went through TechStars recently. Have you focused on? I mean, this is open to anyone right now. Is it like in in beta? Do you is your goal now to like kind of add more features? Like, what have you been learning in that most recent? I guess six months a year, and is your number one priority now just getting as many stores onboarded? Like, how how are things going as of like now moving forward?
1: Yeah, um, things are going great. We've been super fortunate to just. Build incredible relationships. Um, TechStars was one of them. Uh, we finished their accelerator program back in May. We actually launched our enterprise platform in March during that program. We had been working on that for about two years and just didn't feel comfortable putting it out to the market until you know it was at a state that we could have we could comfortably have stores rely on that. So we launched it during then. Met incredible mentors and friends throughout that process that still help us to this day with you know. Everything from learning how to develop software to sales to you know investing, all of that. We're currently raising a pre-seed round to you know continue our growth and execute our strategy with development and sales, and have solidified some very you know key partnerships. That are very interest, are very excited to announce eventually, but are still you know we're still working on some things until we do announce those, but. Our partners have been incredible blessing and help to us just expanding our network. And then, yeah, our our main focus right now is just onboarding more stores because we know that they have the um, strongest need for a system like this in the market. So we want to see them thrive and we want to provide them with the tools that they need to continue scaling their business. And with that as well, we're adding more value to those individuals that get get on our platform as well by giving them more options for stores to can sign with, but also have their inventory sourced from. Uh, We rolled out a feature called our Copit Network that allows any user to connect with any other user and see all their live inventory anytime. So a lot of stores or resellers, when they get a special request or they're running low on a certain SKU that they need to re-up on quickly, they're posting everywhere, whether it's Discord or Facebook or Twitter, Saying I need these items, please let us know if you have them. And now they're sifting through a hundred different responses, trying to pull one from you know each deal. Whereas now they can just search that item within their network and see exactly who of their favorite you know sellers, buyers, whoever has it, and just pull right from there. So we're just trying to add you know as much value to the market as we can, and to every segment of the market, we're very focused on you know just. Building the best tool for the sneaker resellers, because it's you know a community that I've been so passionate and so fortunate to be part of for so long, and finally want to see us get the resources that we need and that what we deserve. So yeah,
0: and and if someone, I'd love to talk more about like let's say, so I'm a store, right? Let's say I'm a store, and I don't have Copit right now. What what I would typically be doing is just, I guess, managing thing, like inventory through like spreadsheets and just all these different tasks you're talking about had different pieces of software. Is there no, I guess, what are the alternatives people are currently looking at right now? And is there any reason, like what, what's holding back people from actually using but Is it just like lack of awareness or just people aren't like, aren't aware that they, they could have a solution to their problems right now if you were to like, talk to every single store owner in the country?
1: Yeah, definitely lack of awareness. I mean, something that we're working on is going to as many conventions as we can and just talking to as many store owners as we can because, yeah, we're trying to get the word out, but also trying to get as many suggestions as we can and feedback from them. Because at the end of the day, they're the people we want to bring value to and we want to make sure that we're bringing the tools that they need into the market. Right now, every store functions very differently. Because there hasn't been you know a single tool out there for them to use, everyone's kind of made up their own system along the way. And that's something that we're very keen on is not bringing some one size fits all product to the market that now every store has to conform to. We want to build something that's flexible so that these stores can continue operating on their you know ideal business model, but just doing a much cleaner, much faster and simpler way through our system. Yeah. So I'd say the main alternatives are the common threads that we see are spreadsheets. It's Yeah, it's pretty daunting when you first see some of these. It's just surprising that, you know, stores, I would have been pulling all my hair out by this point in time if I was doing that. A lot of stores, when they first get into the market, are starting to use POS systems like Square or Clover because they're typically the cheapest. But since this market has grown so much over the past couple of years, they're now at a point where they want to start, you know, taking advantage of e-commerce and are typically looking for to Shopify to do that but there's no efficient or clean system to let you sync those two together so stores either you know put on a shopify site just for a few dedicated items that they won't put in store or they'll back off from it in in total or completely because they're you know scared to fall into that rabbit hole that I was in where an item would sell in store and now I'm bouncing over to shopify trying to delist it from there before it sells again and they just don't have the time or you know, manpower to do that. So a system like ours would enable them to sync everything together, but then also open them up to wider marketplaces like our network of individuals that can source from them and through eBay.
0: This makes a lot of sense. This is this is exciting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what happens next with Copit and like where where the business goes because I think this is something that could also just expand the overall sneaker reselling business, right? Like if you make it easier to do business, then theoretically you know the the amount of business the volume of business should expand I, i'd love to know you know being someone like you mentioned who's like so deep in the community like how how do you think things have changed as a reseller compared to when you first began like i know you mentioned like at one point maybe when you were younger it felt like everything was reselling maybe it was easier and the market you know there's been more marketplaces there's been more demand there's More complication maybe around how someone does resell versus 10 years ago. And I think you mentioned as well that maybe like a tenth of the drops today would resell at a good price. But previously, maybe that was, it was everything. There's probably a lot of ways to answer this question and feel free to to answer however you want. But how would you say like reselling has changed over the last like 10 years? What are the things that you particularly think are like most indicative of for good or for better or worse, the changes in resale?
1: Definitely. Yeah, when I first started, really every sneakerhead or every reseller was a very dedicated and, you know, passionate sneakerhead themselves. And also these brands were not as I think aware of the sneaker resale market at the time. So those very limited releases were fewer and far in between. And those when they would come out, every reseller, every sneakerhead knew about it and was all going after it, and much more willing to pay you know, $600 for a shoe. And that was great for resellers because we knew that, you know, there was going to be probably one or two releases every month that you can make a whole lot of money on just a few pairs of shoes that you lucked out on getting. Nowadays, it's definitely different. These brands are more aware of their growing popularity around sneakers. So they're producing much higher quantities of these pairs and, you know, putting out releases in a much higher frequency But at the same time, you have a much larger audience with the growth of like TikTok and Instagram and influencers that are wearing these products. You have a lot more of the general population going to, you know, Dunks and Jordan 4s because they see their favorite model or favorite artist wearing them. Now, there are two, I wouldn't necessarily call it drawbacks, but, you know, factors that now play in with that growth is these more... I guess, casual buyers aren't looking to pay $1,000 for a pair of shoes, they want a nice shoe that they've seen their favorite celebrity wearing, so are looking for a much lower price point. And it causes or forces a reseller like myself not to be able to sell, you know, shoes for a 10x multiple. But with that being said, it's much more of just a volume game. And it's, you have to be much more aware of where those buyers are looking for those products. A lot of that is platforms like StockX, Goat, and eBay, uh, where you can just look up a shoe and buy right then there. The issues with that are, however, there's a longer wait time to receive the item because it has to go through the authentication process. We also have to know what you're looking for. I was talking to a couple store owners this past weekend at SneakerCon, and they're saying, yeah, we have buyers come in that are like, I want the red pandas. Like, How do I get those? And they're like, what red pandas are you talking about? So in the buyer's mind, they just know panda as the dunk, and they're looking for red dunks. So if you could imagine, you know, them going to a platform like StockX or eBay looking for a red panda, they're probably not going to find it. And so that's why we're starting to see a much higher growth in the store market, where a consumer can just walk in the store, see on the shelf what they've been looking for, and walk out with it. They're a little less aware of the true market value of that product. So they're willing to pay up They d- may not necessarily know that they're paying up that much, but just means that, you know, the painted dunks a perfect example, something that sells on marketplaces for 130 $140 right now, a end consumer may not be aware of that, or they just want to get as quickly as possible. So they're willing to pay, the, in my mind, like much more exorbitant prices in store that might be 200 or 300 to be able to just walk in and walk out with it. So from a reseller's perspective, I see a much larger growth in consignment where you're able to get those multiples that you were expecting back in the day when there are much more fewer releases, but it's just through a different avenue. If you're not going through consignment to get those higher margins, then it's just much more of a volume game where, yeah, for a Panda Dunk, you you may only make 5 to $10 a pair if you were to sell through marketplaces. So, you know, if you want to make a decent um, income from it, you're going to have to turn, you know, hundreds or thousands of those products, in which case sourcing is going to be your biggest nightmare. Uh, just find those products. So it's a very interesting stay of the game, but I think it's great news for sneakerheads and resellers because there's much more attention being brought into it. Everyone always says, you know, sneaker reselling is dying. I don't think that's the case at all. If Nike and Adidas and Jordan brand wanted to make millions of pairs for every release, they would have by now. But I think they're very aware that, you know, the second they do that, all the hype dies out because now anyone that wants the pair can get them and people don't feel special anymore when they rock those shoes. So although volume is going up, I think there are definitely some smarter minds than me out there. Some more data-driven folk like you guys in the background saying, you know, we need to find that perfect balance of number of items to meet just be a little under the demand that's out there so that there is that scarcity to it. But at the same point, you know, there are way more buyers coming into this market. You just have to be aware of what those buyers are looking for, not necessarily what a sneakerhead of 15 years would be looking for. Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts as well.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I wanted to just quickly make sure I'm understanding what you were saying, right? So like, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of interesting dynamics here, right? So overall increase in sneakers as a whole, particularly like hot sneakers as the sneakers become just like a cooler cultural asset artifact, you know, the idea of someone, you know, showing off their pair of Air Jordans. Of course, it's always been a thing, but maybe it's even more of a thing now because people are more aware of it. That, that means increased demand. And even though that leads to like maybe increased volume and production from brands, there's it's, it, they still balance fairly well, more or less the hype limited edition, limited supply sneakers with obviously the mass appeal ones. Consignment is becoming more of an option for these bigger group of people to go after the things they want, like, oh, give me some Panda Dunks or whatever, without needing to go for the absolute hottest, you know, PS5s or whatever. So there's more of a role right. for like maybe like the the middle ground, you know, like consignment stores, both physical or maybe like medium-sized marketplaces. And then you have resellers where maybe it's become more of a specialized skill right like maybe buying and reselling 10 years ago you'd been like okay buy this shoe okay i'm pretty much i pretty much know it's going to be selling at a higher price nowadays maybe you need to do had the sophistication to like find those like hidden gems like like an investor would like an active investor would or you kind of move with volume where it's like okay well even if there's only like a 5 dollar margin here if i can buy 200 of these which is more of a sophisticated strategy versus ten years ago. Let's say if
1: you're a reseller,
0: just want to make sure I, I outline those different play. I was trying to summarize. Is that, is that is that a fair summarization of like what you were saying?
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I mean at at the time back in the earlier two thousands, the only pairs that people were going after and reselling were like the OG Jordan colorways or yeah. crazy collabs that would happen every once in a blue moon. Those are still out there today. I mean, the Lost and Founds, those are yeah, going for, yeah. you know, very healthy margins. The Uto Dunks that came out today, definitely gonna resell for a crazy amount. But it's everything in between. I mean, you know, someone that got into shoes through TikTok, just to, you know, continue with that example, they don't feel the same way about lost and found Jordan one as someone that's been super into shoes for so long does. And they're so they're less willing to pay five hundred for a shoe. They're just looking to get a clean pair of dunks that's, you know, maybe $150, $200 and call it a day. Um, but what you brought up with like an unsophisticated investor, that's definitely what we're seeing today. There are a lot more of those out there, um, which helps a um, sophisticated reseller on the sourcing side as well. Because, you know, if someone goes and buys a shoe, a painted dunk for $100 for retail, They might buy it for incorrect size and not know, oh, I can just flip this on StockX and actually make some money. They're just going to say, pay me 50 bucks. I just want to get some money back so I can buy my actual size. So there's a lot more opportunity out there for a reseller to find those price discrepancies in the market and be able to find stuff much more passively that you can just buy and flip. If you're going looking for those products through the right channels.
0: I think another point I want to make, make here and make sure we're on the same page with this is like, there's sometimes this idea that sneaker reselling is, is dying because it's, you know, quote unquote more difficult. Maybe the, the, the hit rate and the margins aren't as easy to achieve versus 10 years ago, which is from what we've been discussing kind of true. But maybe the more nuanced approach to this is the following, right? One, we already know, at least from projections that the overall resale market is growing and will continue to grow. Some people projecting, what, like 30 billion globally by 2030. That's one of the numbers thrown out there, etc. So that that's something I think everybody kind of knows yeah. for sure. The second thing is, even if it's like, quote unquote, maybe more difficult to be like a, a novice reseller now, the margin still exists, particularly if you're like an advanced reseller. So it's not as simple as like, oh, reselling is going down. But it, it's kind of maybe like, Maybe the barriers to entry are slightly higher from like an education perspective where it's like, if this is 2012, you and I could just be like random friends be like, yo, let's just buy this and flip it. Ha ha ha. But nowadays, someone needs to enter the market if they want to take this seriously with slightly more sophistication. Is is that a fair thing to say?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I And one thing I will qualify a little bit is, you know, talking earlier about my experience where... When I was getting to reselling, I was just learning and evolving throughout the entire process. Nowadays there are more tools out there for you to learn things and pick them up a lot quicker. You know, one group that I'm a part of and super passionate about is ECG, their elevate consulting group. They actually help educate resellers on, you know, pairs to go out for, stores to consign them with, where to sell them. So there are those courses and those tools out there for you to pick it up if you're a new reseller and just trying to learn the ropes uh, from ground zero, or if you're, you know, a seasoned reseller but just trying to scale much quicker. So that's super helpful, but you do have to take advantage of those for sure if you want to, you know, be successful in the market and and sustain it.
0: Okay. No, that makes sense. And and I know you're kind of on the ground. Obviously, your day to day, your life is you know understanding the resale market. But also, what what I think is really cool is that. You know, you mentioned that you, you go to kind of as many sneaker cons as you can, whether it's, no matter where it is around the country, no matter how big or small. What's your take about, you know, we, we've kind of come to a sort of like conclusion about like the market sentiment and like our analysis of it. When you talk to people on a weekly basis at different like conventions, what would you say is how, how people are feeling? Are people? optimistic or things change, um, for better or worse, like not to to, to place an answer in your mouth there. But like, what are you hearing from people when you go to these different sneaker conventions? And even, you know, last weekend at SneakerCon Dallas?
1: Yeah, I think the sentiment is super positive. I mean, the community, I don't think has ever been stronger. I think there are constantly more people coming into it. I mean, going to these events, a lot of the people that are, you know, most of the vendors are stores, I will say. But you're starting to see more vendors that are really young kids, and a lot of the general admission into these events are very young kids, but their parents. So you're already starting to see these younger generations getting exposed to the sneaker market, getting you know starting to build that passion for reselling. Which you know, as someone that was in that position myself, it's really cool to see. But I think also very promising for the market in the longer term. You know, I think these brands are very smart. Again, they know how to benefit their business and keep this reselling market alive. Because at the end of the day, a lot of it is built off of nostalgia. That's how it originally came to be, was people that grew up watching Michael Jordan play, always wanted his shoes, couldn't afford them, finally get to an age where they can. And now all they want to do is get all the shoes that they grew up not being able to afford and adding them to their collection. You're seeing the same thing with the, with the younger generation that you know grows up as a really big fan of Travis Scott, sees his shoes come out they're $1,500, can't afford them they're going to get to an age where they can. And now all they're going to want to do is you know, start buying the shoes that they saw coming out around the time the Travis Scott shoes were, and now they're fully into it as well. So I think it's going to continue to operate in that cyclical manner, just building the nostalgia for the younger generations until they get to the age where they can now act on it. So yeah, and that's what we see at these events. Everyone is... Yeah, you know, just very passionate about it. Everyone is looking to build a business out of it, to network and build those connections. It's a great opportunity for you to meet long-term customers or long-term suppliers or find people like like DP Sneaker runs this ECG group and be able to take advantage of those tools. It's just, I mean, it's a super fun atmosphere, but if you're approaching them from the right lens, being strategic about it, you can find you know your future business partner or... Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's something I suggest everyone that's in sneakers, whether you're looking to get into it or already in it, definitely take more advantage of.
0: I I look forward to. Well, I, I believe at least that whatever that number is, the the size of the market five ten years from now, we're going to get to a place where tools like Copit, you know, make the market kind of more mature, sophisticated. A lot of like become a business more in a more serious way. You maybe have more marketplaces, maybe you just have more overall interest in the culture. Maybe that culture becomes even bigger. There's so many different angles. And you know, maybe I'd love to get your your take on literally all of these like different angles, but I don't know if we have time for every angle take. But one thing I'm personally interested in, and I know like is as we, we mentioned data and you know a New Street, so much of like literally everything we do is 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 trying to build data infrastructure for the future of this industry, and, and clearly you got an appreciation for that. Now one of the things I like reading is StockX releasing their like reports recently on like the fastest growing you know brands silhouettes across not even sneakers just sneakers but accessories collectibles, and in the last StockX report I forget the official name of it, it came out a couple of weeks ago, fastest growing brands were like On Running, Mischief, I want to say Solomon Next and Asics and and like New Balance is one of those ones that was in the top 10 fastest growing, but also top 10 best selling and New Balance, obviously, there's like a lot of of hype around how well they've been doing the last couple of years. When it comes to like non-Nike brands, and maybe I'll say Slash Adidas, I guess. But like, when it comes to non-Nike, what are you seeing like when you're on the ground, right? Do you see like an increased interest personally where it's like, okay, it's not just people going after Air Jordans and Dunks, people are interested in XYZ. Like, do you think there's an opportunity for some of these younger brands and not always like super young, but do you think the the hype around some of these like non-Nike brands could continue? What's your take on just like these up and coming brands when it comes to the resale game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I from a reseller's perspective, I think it's great. It just means there's more product in the market that I'm able to resell. And New Balance is an incredible story in its own right or case study. Every store that um, we work with is constantly looking for more New Balance shoes. And not just the Ald collabs. I mean, just basic like uh, I think it's a ninety sixty model. My mom actually recently hit me up saying, "Can you buy me these New Balance shoes? I can't find them." Um, I actually had to buy them off StockX because I couldn't find them anywhere else. So a lot of people are flocking to New Balance. Um, I think Solomon, if they continue on their trajectory, um, doing more you know niche collabs, or if they can get some. You know high profile musician or athlete to sponsor them as well, I think will definitely take the cake. I just recently bought my first pair of Solomons. I absolutely love them, so I think you know that hidden New York collaboration they did if they can do more like that, I thought that was a phenomenal shoe just the the build up around it they could have marketed it a little bit better because it seems to only really hit very you know niche like mood boardy type people and yeah, I, I think Solomon is a, an incredible brand. Now, ASICs, I I would love to see more from them. They've been doing some smaller collabs here and there that have been great, but they need a what's it called? They need like their a top silhouette. I mean Solomon, I think it's the XT four, XT six that everyone loves with new balances. Obviously the five fifty or like the nine nine two. I think ASICs just has to really land on one silhouette and just really hammer that home with collabs. But it's going to be interesting to see with Nike really pumping the Vimero. I think that's a very direct competitor to any Asics shoe. I'm interested to see how that competition will play out if people start just leaning more towards the Vimero for that type of shoe or that aesthetic rather than going for an ASIC. But we'll see. I'm, I'm really interested to see how these brands behave Mischief in its own right is super interesting. I constantly just think there's some like troll type marketing agency that just puts out whatever the most outrageous product they can just to build hype for a little bit. But I mean at SneakerCon this past weekend, people were buying the big red boots still. I'm like, I wow, I haven't seen a single person wearing them in person. So I'm like, who the heck is buying these? But people are. There's still demand for it, which is wild. You know, whether it just be for I don't know if people are actually wearing them or just putting them as some display piece but you know either way if people are buying them there's obviously demand so yeah just super interesting time i would say within sneakers
0: and i know we're kind of running out of time here so i've got like a few things there's one like rapid fire hit with you but one what are the things that you're excited about like in terms of like trends or maybe it's a shoe or maybe it's like I don't know, like a type, a, an element of the market. Like when you think about the future or stuff that you're paying most attention to, like what is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, as as a consumer, I love seeing these smaller brands get get collabs in with bigger brands. I love just seeing people get a platform to like market their brand through, and super just wild to see brands pop up seemingly overnight. I know it's not overnight, but like Hellstar just came out of nowhere and. Now, every store is looking to carry those brands or those uh, products. So I think that's fascinating, just following how things are ever evolving. From the business side, I mean, my background being in finance, I think it's really fascinating to see all the innovation coming up within this market. I've been saying for years, there needs to be more innovation since it seems like for the longest time, the only real tech being introduced was just more marketplace platforms, which left the market just more segmented. Which is where we came in. But even beyond that, I recently heard of a company the other day called Always Legit that's doing a hedge fund for sneakers. I think that's an incredible idea. Just getting people more passionate about, you know, finance and investing while still tying that into their passion of sneakers. So more financial vehicles that pop up within the market, I am, am always, you know, super, super intrigued by. I heard recently, I don't remember the company or brand name, but there's someone out there building a platform to help you bet on like the market value of shoes, almost like an options vehicle. I think that's amazing. That just gets the wheels turning in my head. And it's super, super cool to see everything getting more like professionalized and really built up within sneakers.
0: That is Awesome. And I think maybe you might be talking about kick predict with the second company. I Yeah, the founder, yeah, he was on in a previous episode, actually. Let, I should, let me introduce you He's a great guy. But okay, running out, I really want to make sure I get these last two questions in. But do you have like a Grail sneaker that maybe you've already gotten it and uh, it's in your collection? Maybe you've been searching for it your whole life. But what, what's your Grail sneaker if you have one?
1: Yeah, so coming full circle, it's definitely the KD4 Galaxy. Which I ended up buying it before I graduated college. Luckily price had dropped a pretty significant amount. So I was able to get a dead stock pair for I think around five hundred. So much better than the fifteen hundred price point I was at when I first got <laughs> into it. But I bought them so I could wear them across stage on graduation. And, you know, that shoe I'll never, never let go of. And I think they're supposed to re release them soon. So oh, I'm definitely gonna double up on them. But yeah, I think any KD4 shoe. I, I want to collect all those. A lot of the HTM shoes that came out, I don't think they're doing any more, or at least they haven't the longest time. So I'm now looking to go back and start to buy those up. But those, I would say, are, are my grails for sure.
0: And last, just closing questions for every guest here. One, where could people find you or people find it? And second being, like, what's one last message you'd like to leave for the audience?
1: Yeah, so... Brett Nilsson on social media. You can check out Copit. Copit.io um, is our website, and Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, really anywhere that that you are. But We got an account there that we're starting to build up. We're doing more social media now. We haven't been a while. We've been slacking on it. But yeah, any questions or any, any way I can support any reseller or any sneakerhead in the market, happy to do that. Email me any way you can get in contact with me, whether it's LinkedIn or wherever. I'm always happy to help new resellers and just people find their footing within sneakers, whether it's related to tech, if I can help you that route, great. I'll introduce you to Copit. But otherwise, if you just have questions, I'm always happy to answer them. The last message, something I found you know, has been most impactful for us over the past few months and just observing the market is be genuine. There are so many people in this market that are in this industry that Know, are eager to help others and are just incredible people. As long as you're putting good energy out there, people will find you and will support you. That's the easiest way to succeed. Just continue like being kind and generous in this industry so that you know people people can help you out. The relationships are the most impactful thing that I found from operating in sneakers. Some of my best friends to this day I found through you know Facebook Marketplace doing a deal with them 10, 20 years ago. Sorry, not 20 years ago. <laughs> I was three. But yeah, just continue to, to network and build those relationships. It's going to be the most beneficial takeaway from, from sneakers.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time,
1: Brad. Of course. Thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about the guest in the show notes and learn more about New Street at NewStreet.com. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe across YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and more. Thank you so much. See you next time.